Do you seek the freedom to pursue greater meaning and purpose in your life? Is there something that you're passionate about that you'd like to support by giving time, talent, or money? Do you seek a level of financial freedom to live an ideal life as you uniquely define it? Welcome to the Money and Meaning Show with Jeff Bernier, a show dedicated to helping you gain the confidence and freedom to lead a life of personal significance and help you get your actions and resources in alignment with what matters most. Welcome to the Money and Meaning Show with Jeff Bernier. My name is Mike Bernard. I am your host. I'm also a certified financial planner licensee. The goal of this show, and I think we're aiming for that again today, is to help you discover what matters most and help you get your actions and resources in alignment with your goals. We combine excellence in wealth management with the pursuit of meaning and purpose in your life. Jeff Bernier is the founder, president, and chief investment officer of Tandem Growth Financial Advisors, a wealth management firm in Alpharetta, Georgia, a suburb in the greater Atlanta area. So, Jeff, we're here in February. It's cold. I know for me, February is birthday month. It's my birthday. <laughs> it's my wife's birthday. Okay. Most importantly, it's an the baby. Month. The, yes, the baby turns one. The baby turns one in awesome. February. Congratulations. So it's it's a fun month for us. How's the year starting for you for Tandem Growth? Yeah, it's it's great so far. Um, you know, we have a lot of things that we're working on that we're very excited about. Uh, in 2019 in terms of serving our clients better and um, you know it's it's you, you know how our work is Mike you, you, you can expand to meet the time that we have and yeah. we're certainly doing that so it's been busy <laughs> alright well last year 2018 um, we, we put a, a mark in the ground a stake in the ground we started these podcasts Jeff it's been a lot of fun and you stated that the goal was to have meaningful discussions that combine encouragement on how to create more meaning and purpose in your life with high-quality wealth management topics. The seed was uh, were planted for this back in 2013 when you attended the Halftime Institute, I believe, right? We yep. talked about that. Yep, that, that's correct. You know, when I attended the Halftime Institute back in 2013, I became really passionate about helping people create the margin to pursue their own unique vision of, um, w- you know, what at halftime they call a significant life. But to me, it's just it's, it's really about creating the capacity to live a purposeful, meaningful for life. And mm-hmm. so I just thought that I wanted to grow our influence and sharing this message. So essentially, I decided that my work in tandem growth was my platform to serve others and uh, to help them, you know, create this capacity, but also to give me meaning because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm passionate about this. And so I'm excited about this work. Uh, I'm excited uh, excited about my purpose in, in this. And, you know, to me, if I can spend most of my time in the firm doing those things that I find fascinating and motivating, that I can I can stay engaged in this for a really long time. And I say this, and, and people laugh at me once in a while, but uh, I am, I'm a young 55, <laughs> and, you know, I actually have a 25-year business plan at 55. So Wonderful. How's that for optimism? There you go, and that's halftime. There, yep. there you go. So yep. this idea mm-hmm. of doing work that creates value for others uh, that you love to do fits right into today's topic. So why don't you introduce today's special guest? Yeah, and, and, and like I said, if, if our goal is to uh, try to have more influence, our guest is certainly one who has influenced our our industry, and he's, he's also influenced my firm in a great a, a great way. Uh, so today's today's guest has been really influential in our industry. So Mitch Anthony is one of the pioneers in the financial life planning movement that began many years ago, and he's been helping advisors build deeper relationships with their clients for for over two decades. He's a prolific author, a speaker, written several really incredible books. 
uh, I've, I've read most of them and have attended a, a few of his workshops, and he's really had a significant impact on the way we do client discovery in the front end of a relationship. So welcome, Mitch Anthony, to the Money and Meaning Show. Yeah, thanks so much. Appreciate it. And just a couple prefacing comments listening to you guys talk. One, I, I love the focus on, first of all, I'm a big fan of halftime and that ideology, as you probably have surmised, but I love the merging of means and meaning. I, that, that, to me, is the number one goal of being a life-centered planner is to help people align their means with their meaning. So I love, love that language you're using. And also, I like the fact that you have a 25-year uh, uh, game plan ahead of you, Jeff. I, <laughs> I, 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 this, this might impress you. I was in Pinehurst speaking a couple of years ago, and I played golf with a guy who's 95 who had gone out and bought tickets uh, for the U.S. Open in 2021 oh. at Pinehurst. So <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. People thought he was crazy to put his name on the list, but he said, I'm planning on being there. And by the way, he beat me, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, there's probably a high correlation between people that are future-based like that and, and staying able to have a, a quality golf game. So yeah, that's, that's right. Well, that's great. So uh, before we start, Mitch, do you mind just telling us a little bit about, about yourself and your family and kind of what you're, what you're about? Yeah, well, I I uh, I was an empty nester here a short time ago, but our empty nest has been transferred into a cuckoo's nest now. <laughs> and uh, my daughter, I have a daughter who's home from Uganda with a granddaughter, so I've got the joy of seeing a little beautiful month-old smile every day right now. Wow! We're trying to get her, we're trying to get her husband over. He's a he's a preacher who wants to go to Bible school here in the United States and having a few few issues with immigrations, but we're working and praying our way through all that. And I've got a son uh, who's, my wife is Debbie here in Rochester, Minnesota is where we make okay. our home. Yep. And she was mm-hmm. she she was raised in this town. It's home of the Mayo Clinic. It's a great place to live. And then I've got a son who lives here in town, who's an entrepreneur. I've got a son who is a park ranger in Alaska, and I've got a son who's a senior in college. Wow. Okay, so that's that's a, a big family, and it sounds like um, uh, quite an adventure with your new your new grandbaby. So that's yeah. Ter- and my my wife and I w- have worked together in my business for many years. My wife is also talk about sort of the new retire mentality. She's a great example of it. She's just hit the country music world after the age of fifty and has just just finished her second CD in Nashville and is just doing great things. Debbie Anthony Music. So. Amazing. We, well, we, terrific. We got a little uh, living live your dreams at any age going on at the Anthony House here, too. Oh, that that's is, wonderful. Oh, that is really cool. Well, I have been looking forward to this discussion for, for some time and, and really want to get into some of your thinking about the new retirementality. Uh, but first, um, t- t- tell us a little bit about your background and how you got in- interested in helping advisors and, and writing books for advisors, but also the new retirementality is certainly for our yeah, target client. You know, it's a it's a it's a strange story. Sometimes life goes that way. I the best way I can describe it, Jeff, is that I'm an accidental tourist in financial services. <laughs> I had absolutely no designs on this realm, and got pulled in because of some messages. And actually, the very first talk I ever gave to a financial services group was the result of somebody getting sick in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, I'll never forget this. This is the craziest story. I was uh, out in the backyard with my daughter when she was five years old, and I was teaching her how to plant a flower. And ex- 
explaining the whole miracle of what you see on this cover of this seed package is going to come up <laughs> through the ground in a few months, honey. And my wife walks out with a telephone and says, it's a broker. And I thought, what in the world, right? And I pick up the phone, and the guy says, hi, I'm so-and-so from such-and-such. And I said, no, thanks. I'm, I'm busy right now. I thought he was like some guy doing a cold call. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> And I hung up on the guy. My wife looked at me like I just killed the cat. And I said, what? She said, they had, they've got a banquet tonight with 400 people and their speaker from Atlanta turned up sick and somebody told them to call you. Oh, incredible. That information would have been helpful before handing me the phone. Yeah, Yeah, that's what I said to her. I said, did it ever occur to you to say that? (laughs) And, (laughs) And here's the funny thing about this story is that that was the first week we'd had caller ID. Oh, <laughs> oh that's funny. <laughs> that's <laughs> great. happened to be the saving grace of the situation. So I you could call the him back. saw, saw yeah. the number, called the guy back, apologized for being abrupt and rude and short, and said, tell me the situation. And he told me, and he said it was retired people or people coming up on retirement, and did I have a talk that might fit? Well, this is 20 years ago yeah and i had just begun to put together my philosophical planks around this idea of retirement which i never understood by the way Hmm. and and i had a talk called don't ever grow old and it was about successful aging wow yeah and i gave that talk and the next day i got an envelope from a, a big investment firm based in chicago And inside this envelope, this FedEx envelope, was a program they were developing on how to communicate with seniors. And the note on the brochure said, who are you and where did you get these ideas? (laughs) That's funny. We need to talk. And they flew me into Chicago and I met their senior vice president of marketing and development and it started a relationship, and uh, I, to 20 years later, I still have a relationship with that company where I develop content on how to talk to clients about important issues. Yeah. But, but what that did is it opened the door to me to financial services, and I've always been just sort of a problem solver by nature, and I'd always been confused by the idea of retirement hmm. because I saw so many people who are just grinding it out, or as my dad used to call it, minding the company store, and just grinding it out and hoping to get through 40 years so maybe someday they could buy an RV and stare at their <laughs> expanding navel for 20 more years. And and I, I just couldn't wrap my mind around why you would do something you hated or were tepid about during the best years of your life. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Right. It just it just never sat well with me. And I used to look at people and go, this isn't a dress rehearsal. Yeah. This is actually your real life. It's you're living real life. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, do you, do you understand that? Well, I think our industry is, um, is is one of the culprits to creating that expectation, too. Don't you think? Oh, well, see, this is the this is part of the problem. The financial services industry realized that this was a magnetic point that they could get people to focus on and save money. And so the, you know, when you said someone was retired 70 years ago, the assumption was they were poor. Hmm. 
And the financial services industry got a hold of the whole concept and reframed it and reshaped it and said, this is, this is what you want to save toward is this life of leisure that you can live. And it's called the retirement entitlement. And this is, this is actually the philosophical footing of retirement. There are two major footings to, re, to the retirement policies or the retirement ideas we have in our culture. One is this, this, entitlement to leisure that you've worked hard enough now it's your time to play in the sun and that by the way that whole idea was designed and built by Del Webb oh really okay Del Webb actually came up with the concept of retirement entitlement and he invented the terms golden age and golden ager wow okay so so and financial services jumped all over that because you could see it would help yeah. their the, the investment firms the other philosophical footing of retirement is actually ageism okay it's the it's the idea that all of us are the same at a given age so in this conversation the given age is what it's 65 yeah, right. yeah no more time and 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 it it presumes that all 65 year olds are equal in in their capability, in their desire, in their hopes, their dreams, whatever it, is, it just assumes they're all the same. Well, no one no one of right mind could agree with that sentiment. Yet that is the cornerstone of all retirement policy is that idea. Yeah. Well, and you know, reading your book and obviously other research, um, you know, it was also a product of um, the industrial age where we were laborers. Our physical labor affected our productivity, where today, I guess, as creative knowledge workers, it, it's not necessarily, it doesn't really matter your age if you're still creative and growing and learning and have relationships. So um, so the, the, the reason I called you um, and wanted you to be the guest is that the, the new retirementality uh, book, which I guess has been, uh, has been out several editions, I think, at this point, mm-hmm. and, and you keep laying in additional research. It's just confirming what you figured out many, many years ago. So would you define for us what you mean when you say new retirementality? Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, the book's, the book's in its fourth edition, and we're, we're actually talking about coming out with a fifth edition in a year. Hmm. So, and I got to tell you, Jeff, when I first came out with this book, people looked at me and as if I were smoking something that would later become legal. <laughs> and and I, I assured them I wasn't, but I just, I, I just flat out, and you've read the book, so sure. you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. I just flat out said, this is a really bad idea for most people. And, and talked about those origins from the industrial age and how they no longer apply to the world we live in today. And so that that's part of the thinking process is taking my first chapter is a short history of retirement. Right. People don't know that this idea of industrial or institutionalized retirement has only been on our planet for about 130 years. Hmm. Right? It's not a natural organic idea that fits the human being. <laughs> right. And it was an invention and so I have a couple definitions of retirement that that I use to help people understand what it really is. First of all, it's an artificially imposed, or or let me put it this way, it's an artificial finish line in life, right? Right. It's when somebody puts this this finish line out there and says, when you reach this line, you're done. Well, who are they to tell us when we're done? Yeah. Right? The other thing that, the other definition I give it is that it it is a social construct 
designed for a specific purpose in a specific age. And that social construct no longer holds true. And you mentioned this, Jeff, when you talked about the industrial age, when the emphasis was on exchanging physical, hard physical labor for a paycheck. But today, we don't live in the industrial age. We live in what I like to call the experience age. We get paid for what we know. We get paid for who we know. We get paid for how we know how to get things done, right? That's experience. Hmm. And so the rules that applied to the industrial age don't apply today. And the new retirementality is about, first of all, asking yourself the question, if this wasn't about age, what would I do? Right? If it wasn't about having a corporate policy that said when you're 65, we need to help you find the exit, what would you do? Right. And, what, and, and, and it's not just what would you do at 60 or 62, what would you do at 40 if you remove that artificial finish line? Or, or the way I like to put it is, if you remove that artificial finish line, what changes? Well, the answer is everything changes. Because yeah. if, I'm, if, I'm, if I'm not buying into the artificial finish line, I'm going to make a completely different decision at the age of 40 about right. what I do. Right. I, we, we talk at the show, Mike and I, a lot about uh, joy, about having joy yep. and being present and living, you know, striking that balance between being responsible to your future self but enjoying the journey today. And I know a lot of our listeners may think, well, these guys are crazy. Don't I, you know, is, is wanting to, quote, retire a bad thing? I think the paradigm shift that you have really been on the forefront on is changing the definition of work. I love yes. your definition. And you probably heard it in my intro. I mean, I, I, I used a little bit of that in, in my intro. But tell me your definition of work. And I think I think people will relax a little bit when they hear your definition of work. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because it's hard to understand what I'm saying on the front end without understanding this. Yeah. And and so so how we define work means everything. If work is a four letter word to you, where you simply punch a clock and cross off days and can't wait to quit, that's not what I'm talking about. I define work as an engagement that brings value to others and meaning to you. And and the beauty of that definition is there's room for everybody in that. Right? I'm, I meet people every day that do things that I couldn't spend five minutes doing, but they love doing it. Mm, right. And, and when they do it, it brings value to me, and it brings meaning to them. That's work. And there are sacred roots in the word work. You know, the, in Hebrew, the root word for work is the same as the root word for worship. Really? Wow. Yes. And, and the Latin word for work is, is uh, avocar. Okay, avocare, where we get the word avocation, which means calling. And so we have this spectrum of work from job and drudgery on the left all the way out to uh, holy calling on the right. And when I say holy calling, I don't mean you're a minister or something right. like that. I mean that you just have a sacred sense about what you do and you know you're called to do it. And that, by the way, you know, I'm very close to the male That That factor that I just mentioned right there is the reason so many doctors struggle in retirement. Because the work they're doing on research is their calling, or it's healing is their they calling. They felt a calling to medicine, right? Yeah. Yeah. And suddenly it's over, and they used to be Dr. So-and-so. Right. 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 And it's a very, very few doctors retire well. So I would say the more sense of calling you have around what you do, the more difficult this 
this uh, negotiation with so-called retirements going to be. Right. So, so one of the things I didn't hear in your definition has anything to do with the paycheck. Well, uh, the paycheck <laughs> is... <laughs> I like to. I like. I uh, another sort of juxtaposition I like set up is paycheck or playcheck, right? Mm-hmm. A playcheck is when they pay me and I would have done it for nothing. <laughs> I just had so much fun doing it. And when when you have that sense of purpose about what you do, it, and by the way, that definition I gave could apply to being a volunteer as well because, like right. you said, I didn't say anything about money. Right. So provide is, provide value to someone material, else. Yeah, money's the material reward for doing something really well. Hmm. Well, and I guess that's where the connection with good planning can come into play, because good planning can help you create the freedom to make different choices on where you create meaning and and, and get value. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm a big fan and a big advocate of finding a, a planner, a financial planner, and sitting down and telling them your situation and having them help you map a route to where you really want to be in life. And I, I listen, I've had this conversation with scores of people in their 30s and their 40s who are miserable in their jobs and their professions. And they had to make some financial arrangements. They had to make some financial compromises. They had to, they had to deal with their situation to get a pathway out of where they were, this place of misery, doing something they didn't like doing even though they made a lot of money doing it. Right. But, but at the end of the, you know, there's another question I often ask people about paychecks, and that is, how much is your paycheck costing you? Hmm. Right, because that's a fair question. Because if it costs you more than it's worth, then you need to rethink the whole working proposition. Right. In terms of how you're gonna spend your time in your day uh, bringing value to others and meaning to yourself. Right. So, so yeah, a good financial planner will help people figure out how do I make this work. Right. Yeah, and you and we when we talk about um, enjoying the journey, um, doing doing those things that provide meaning to you and value to others, um, it a lot of it is about today. It's not just about the future. It's not breaking rocks for the gold watch and the retirement party and off to the off to the golf course. It's about today. You also cur- termed, uh, coined a term called return on life. Mm-hmm. So is, is that is that kind of what you're talking about or is there something I'm missing? Yeah, on the I mean, at, at the end of the day, I heard you say a few moments ago that that, you know, you can use your money to get better control of your time, I believe is Right. And the freedom and the capacity, right? Choices, right? Right. So, so I think one of the great gifts that money can give to us is that what you're talking about is autonomy to do what I want with whom I choose at a pace I'm comfortable with. Hmm. Okay, that's a gift, isn't it? To be in that yeah. place in life, but you're not going to get there without wise money management. Now, what I mean by return on life is getting the best life possible with the money that I have. You know, for years, we've had to endure these stupid commercials on television showing people carrying seven-digit numbers through airports, yeah. right? <laughs> yes. As yeah. if, yeah. As if by me getting to that number, everything's just going to take care of itself in life. Right. And, and you know, I, I often ask people, I say, do you remember when you were 22, 23, 24 years old, and you dreamed of making X amount of dollars? We can all remember that, can't we? Right. And then what happened when you crossed that line and you made that money? 
And you know what the answer is? Nothing happened. Yeah, not much. Nothing happened because the number's overrated. What's, what's important is what can you do with what you have? How can you make the best use of what you have? And I don't like this idea that we've got to backload sat- satisfaction in life to this day when we get this number. Right, and how many people have done that? Right, they just they grind it out for forty years in the hopes of buying the RV, and in and in some cases that RV never left the driveway. Hmm. And it's because they didn't understand the return on life. That the highest purpose of money money's only a tool. Money's not the end. It's not the objective. Money's a tool that we use to navigate in life. Yep. Right? But if we don't know where we're going, if we don't know what's important to us, we're going to keep backloading that satisfaction in life. Right, right. Well, the, the show that, we've, that, we've, uh, that we do here and what we try to have conversations about is how to marry these deeper conversations about what gives you meaning. And, and Mike and I have talked a lot over the last year about often it's about relationships and contribution. I mean, those are the kind of things that really give life give life meaning and obviously as wealth managers we're you know we're applying the craft of high quality wealth management to do that but are there some some ways that the audience can bridge the gap in your view between this money and meaning i mean what are some of yeah the- yeah there there i'm yeah I, I love this topic of building a bridge between means and meaning and and i think you hit one nail on the head and that is when, when we talk about contribution, we're not just talking about financial contribution, right? Correct. We're talking Correct. about being a contributor in society. That could be being a contributor as a grandparent to your grandchild. It could be being a contributor as a mentor to a student that needs help. It could it could be any number of things. It could be, you know, being a ranger on the golf course. It, it, you can be a contributor in a lot of ways. But here's the problem. The retirement vision that Americans have been sold on is not as a contributor, but as a consumer. That somehow this life of total ease is going to make their life, so, make them so happy. Well, guess what? The results are in, and it's not true. Mm-hmm. And as a gerontological researcher at the Mayo Clinic put it to me, what, we, what they've discovered is that a life of total ease is two steps removed from a life of total disease. <laughs> and and the, and the steps in the progression are, one, when people have nothing but leisure to do, they get bored. I mean, let, let's get real. If, if all you have to do is play the same game on the same course with the same people and get the same result every day, how long is it going to take till you get bored? Yeah. Right? Some, you got to have dynamic changes, right? And, and so people get bored, and then the next step in the progression that the gerontological research explained to me is they go from bo- being bored to being pessimistic. Right. Mm, right. And once they hit pessimism, the spiral begins both mentally and physically. Yeah. And I've been warning people for years that they, they need to understand that more than before retirement planning is a financial issue, it's a mental health issue. And you got to understand the way you're wired as a human being and what's going to be best for you. And, and all the retirement visions out there, these communities that we're going to live in and all these things we're going to do and we're going to play our life away. And by the way, I've been to some of these communities and it's like a, a septuagenarian frat party every <laughs> night. And I can't keep up. And, 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 and guess what? They, they get there and they realize it, there's, there's a redundancy to it all. And because they've been sold on being a consumer, 
that you've earned your way into being a consumer and you don't have to contribute anything. Well, guess what? I, I put it this way to people. To, to succeed in this stage of life, you got to have enough purpose to wake up in the morning and enough money to sleep at night. Hmm. But don't you think for a minute that having the money is going to replace having purpose. Yeah. You can you can money will fund a purpose but it won't help you find a purpose. Well, that's So the pur- the, the, the purpose has to pre-exist. Yeah, I think that's the um, something that occurs to me on that too is not the kind of thing that you can start thinking about a week before you retire. Before that's you right. leave before you leave corporate work as as an example. You cuz you you need to nurture this years before with relationships and what brings me joy and what you know what am I passionate about because I don't think you can just turn the spigot on can you no you can't and you bring up this thing about relationships I I, I just I, I was just reading a study about the the degrees of loneliness that people experience after age 65 you know yeah. sometimes they've left important social networks behind them mm-hmm. and they have to start and if they're not ambitious about starting new relationships they end up being very lonely people yep and loneliness leads to disease and early death yeah i I, I remember i remember uh dan sullivan at strategic coach speaking once and he said you know i love to hang out with people that are 30 years younger than me yeah all the time all the time just find always find people at least 30 years younger than you to hang out with and and uh and and building relationships that you can you can mentor and, and so forth. Yeah, yeah. You don't you don't want to restrict your relationships to your first read every morning is the obituary page to see mm-hmm. who's left. Yeah. And yeah. but you know, again, this is it's important of what you're saying is you can't just start this the first day of retirement. I, I don't know if you guys have seen the movie about Schmidt, but I think it's a very poignant portrait of what you're talking about. Yeah, this right, was the, Jack, was it, it was an actuary Nicholson. or something that did retire. Yeah, he's the yeah. actuary yeah. who retires from the insurance company. He's got all these ideas of what retirement's going to be like, and one one by one, they're disassembled. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he just he finds himself with next to nothing to live for. Right. And so, yeah, this purpose thing is really important to figure out ahead of time, and. And also your relationship to work. There are, let's let's be let's be candid about this. There are some people who are better off working their whole life. Now I don't mean full time, but my dad's eighty three and he still works three to four hours a day. And he told me if he didn't, he'd have been dead at sixty five. Mm-hmm. Because he just needs that. He needs right. that structure in his life, and he needs to be doing something. Right. And so if if a, if you're you know the listeners have to examine themselves and say am I that kind of person? Right. And I've got a lot of exercises in retirement coaching that I I give uh, tools to advisors to take clients through these exercises to figure out what kind of person they are and how they best should move forward into this space we call retirement. Gotcha. Okay. Well, this has been this has been really great. Any any final words of wisdom uh, as we navigate the the new retirementality? Well, I just I just think we we can never lose sight of the fact that this is a, this thing is called life, hmm. and that nobody else should be able to define it for us. You know, I, I talk in my book about the IRA, the Individual Retirement Attitude. Right. And I think we we I what I'd like to encourage everyone to do is think for themselves. Don't let the institution, don't let the culture, don't let the company tell you what you ought to be doing with your life at this stage. You tell yourself what you ought to be doing, and you follow that track. That is terrific advice. Mm-hmm. So so where could well, our listeners find the book, The New Retirementality? 
Yeah, you can go on Amazon or you can just go online. Just plug in the new retirement tally. Make sure you get the fourth edition. You don't want to read the first or second. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> gotcha. Okay, Ter- terrific. And and uh, and we'll and we'll keep our eye out for the for the new edition. Yeah. So, what are you working on now? What are the kind of things that that, well, you, that yeah. you're working on, and where can well, and, and also just book, I'm I, working on a book for the financial planning uh, industry or, or profession terrific. called Life Centered Planning. Good. And how, how we can do this process from the inside out and, and deal with what's most important and, and build the financial plans around what's most important to the client's life. Gotcha. Now, do you have uh, resources for clients or is it primarily geared to the advisor community? Uh, most of my stuff is geared toward advisory space, but for clients, the new retirementality is one. I've also got a thing called the Financial Lit Kit. Uh, for teaching children financial wisdom when between the ages of about six and ten. Oh, great. And they're Susian-type books, The Cash in the Hat, The Bean is Not Green, and Where Did the Money Go? Um, the Financial Lit Kit is what that's called, and that's great for parents to read to kids or grandparents to read to grandchildren. Oh, wonderful. And, and where can we find these resources? Those, online. Just You can plug in Financial Lit Kit or plug in The New Retirementality. Oh, ter- they're there. Well, terrific. This has been just great. And again, Mitch, thank thank you so much for being for being our guest today on the the Money and Meaning Show. As as I mentioned, my firm and our clients have benefited a great deal from your work, and and I, I really do appreciate your willingness to share. And um, I, I know in communicating with you late last year, you have an incredibly busy calendar, so I know it's not always easy to 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 be able to squeeze out just a few minutes for us. So thank you so much, and and it's really been a pleasure getting to to yeah, get to I appreciate. The work you guys are doing, it's, it's wonderful. Thanks wonderful. So much. Wonderful. Well, th- thanks, Mitch. And on behalf of Mitch, Anthony, and Jeff Bernier and myself, that's it for this episode of the Money and Meaning Show with Jeff Bernier. I hope, I'm sure you did, find today's discussion helpful. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget, check out previous episodes as well as Jeff's blog at www.tandemgrowth.com forward slash perspective. Thanks. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Money and Meaning Show with Jeff Bernier a show dedicated to help you gain the confidence and freedom to lead a life of personal significance and help you get your actions and resources in alignment with what matters most. We would love to hear from you. If you have any questions for Jeff or Mike or comments on the show, feel free to reach out to us at tandemgrowth.com, or you can find us on the web at www.tandemgrowth.com. Jeff Bernier is the President and Chief Investment Officer at Tandem Growth Financial Advisors, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. This show is a production of Tandem Growth Financial Advisors, LLC. All information discussed is general in nature, is provided for informational purposes only, and should not be construed as specific financial, legal, or tax advice. Listeners should consult an attorney or tax professional regarding their specific legal or tax situation. Listeners should not rely on the content of this podcast as the basis for any investment decisions. A professional advisor should be consulted, and or independent due diligence should be conducted before implementing anything discussed in this show. While information presented is believed to be factual and up-to-date, Tandem Growth Financial Advisors, LLC, does not guarantee its accuracy, and it should not be regarded as a complete analysis of the subjects discussed. Tandem Growth Financial Advisors, LLC, does not make any representations or warranties as to the accuracy, timeliness, suitability, completeness, or relevance of any information prepared by any unaffiliated third party, such as guests on the podcast, and takes no responsibility for the same.